Chris Drury and Gerard Gallant reportedly get into a shouting match following the conclusion of the Rangers' Game 4 loss to the New Jersey Devils in the first round of the playoffs. We're going to discuss that as well as the future and what it may hold for Gerard Gallant with the New York Rangers. Does Gerard Gallant even have a future with the New York Rangers? All that and much more on today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 820 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And this is, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so, yeah, might as well just go ahead, jump right into it here. The uh, One of the spicier things to come out of the, uh, you know, just basically out of the woodworks the last couple of days as far as everything that went on, uh, you know, before, during, and after this playoff series between the Rangers and the Devils. Now, a report uh, that, you know, sounds to to be pretty legit here that there was a shouting match between Chris Drury and Gerard Gallant following uh, what can charitably be described as a poor performance by the New York Rangers in Game 4 against the Devils. Of course, that loss, even the series at 2-2 after the Rangers had been up 2-0 uh, just a few days earlier uh, in, the, uh, in the series there. Uh, but we have a snippet from an article from Arthur Staple. He does a fantastic job covering the Rangers for The Athletic. And this is what he wrote uh, about the situation. The Athletic can confirm a report from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman that Gallant and GM Chris Jury got heated after the Game 4 loss to the Devils, fueling speculation that a first-round exit might bring a change behind the bench. And what Staple is talking about there, he, he's discussing Elliot Friedman, who discussed this uh, previously on his podcast, his 32 Thoughts podcast, and uh, I want to read uh, what Elliot Friedman had to say. I went back and I found uh, that episode of Mr. Friedman's podcast and, you know, listened to this portion of it. You know, they talked about the Rangers a little bit, um, you know, during the podcast, but to specifically hone in on this section of it, uh, you know, the part where he talks about what happened between Gallant and Drury. Uh, this is what Freeman said on his podcast, which I listened to just a short time before pressing record here. That's what Freeman had to say. I heard after one of the games in the series, there was a huge argument behind closed doors and everybody could hear it. And they could hear the coaches and management and everybody was so frustrated with the way it was going. And I guess there was a big argument going on and everybody could hear the fact that tempers were boiling over. When that happens, there are consequences out of it. And when you lose in the first round, there are consequences out of it. And I do agree that Gallant's going to take some of it, but I think this is bigger than the head coach. So a lot to unpack here. For starters, uh, I think it needs to be said that, you know, Elliot Friedman, he wasn't there or certainly did not uh, convey the idea that he was there. He's hearing this from somebody else, somebody, you know, probably one of his friends, uh, a fellow, um, you know, sports media personality, hockey journalist, whatever you want to call it. Uh, somebody, it sounds like, relayed this information uh, to Friedman, and then he discussed it, of course, on his podcast. So he is telling the story a little bit secondhand, but uh, again, you know, he has a lot of credibility, and I don't believe he would lie about this or, or, you know, run with this if there wasn't, if it wasn't coming from a reliable source. Um, but it is a secondhand story. Uh, regarding, you know, the argument between Jury and Gallant, if we now move forward with the assumption that this indeed happened, which, I mean, again, it certainly seems like it did, um, you know, I, I can appreciate 
the passion. I can appreciate the fire. I can appreciate the fact that everybody cares. Uh, but I don't think this is a good look for really anybody. And I don't think it's Chris Drury's place to be within earshot of, you know, players, the Ranger players, uh, the media members, whoever else might be there getting into a screaming match with the coach following what was obviously a tough loss in game four. Uh, you know, there were two days off between games four and game five in this series. So if Drury had something to say to Gerard Gallant, I don't think that was a time and the place to do it. Uh, you know, let him address his team, let him have the room, let him do whatever it is he does after the game, and maybe talk to him about the next day, you know, find a, a better place and, than in front of, you know, players and in front of media members and, and all that. Um, he had two days to do it. Everybody, you know, let cooler heads prevail and, and then have a discussion if you feel that a discussion needs to happen. And on top of that, you know, if, if the players are hearing Gallant and Jury screaming at each other, that's not good either. I mean, at this point in the series, it was still 2-2. Obviously, it's not really an ideal situation when you start the series by winning two games on the road. But it is 2-2. It's obviously still anybody's series. And I, I think what works better here is for the coaching staff, for the general manager, for anybody involved with the Rangers to convey a feeling of confidence. So, you know, we're still going to get the job done here. It hasn't gone right, but we're still going to find a way. And instead, I mean, this kind of sounds like a panic kind of situation, hitting the panic button kind of a thing. When you've got uh, the general manager, you know, basically confronting the coach. And again, I was not there. And all of this is coming, you know, very, very secondhand here. But yeah, that's not a good way to kind of set the tone for the rest of the series. And, you know, after this happened, if you guys remember, game five was complete one-sided domination by the Devils. Of course, the Rangers won game six to stay in the series and then got crushed in game seven. But to me, that's just not the way to go. And it's not a good thing to do that in front of the players. I think Jury has to know better than that. And, you know, you could say Gallant has to know better than that too. I think though it probably falls a little bit more on jury because obviously Gallant is going to be around his players after the game. I don't know that the general manager is always in there. And certainly if he is, he's not confronting the head coach um, in front of the players. So to me, uh, Chris Jury was uh, at least a little bit out of line. And look, we don't have all the details. Again, a lot of secondhand stuff. Um, but yeah, on paper, this just is not a good look for the organization. And I don't think that this is the way to go. Um, when you're trying to still win a playoff series. And obviously, there was still a long way to go in this series, and you're doing this in front of the players. Uh, not an ideal situation, to be sure. Uh, we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. I want to turn our attention to you know some remarks that Gerard Gallant made during his end-of-season press conference, uh, which just occurred yesterday. There's obviously some speculation that he may have coached his last game with the New York Rangers. We're going to address those rumors as well. And I'm going to discuss, you know, kind of the case for and the case against Gerard Gallant remaining with the New York Rangers going forward. And we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. But first, we do have to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need to try the best tasting protein bar of all time. Built, you've got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what is even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, 
walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter, puff, and churro puff. You can thank us later. All right, we just want to go ahead and thank everybody for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We, of course, are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And for the everydayers, you know, as I mentioned a second ago, it was, shall we say, a spicier uh, exit interview or a round of exit interviews for these players and for this coaching staff than we got last year. And it's not really that hard to see why. You know, last year, the Rangers greatly exceeded expectations. I mean, I, I felt like they would be a playoff team last year. I didn't see them, you know, battling the Tampa Bay Lightning tooth and nail in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it was a little bit bittersweet last year. I mean, look, we all badly wanted to see this team win a Stanley Cup. I think that goes without saying. But I think there was still kind of a situation where Fans could feel good when that run ended, and certainly the players could, you know, hold their head high after all the adversity they went through in the playoffs, all the comebacks, and, um, you know, obviously making a really good run at it, but there was a lot going on uh, in the round of exit interviews yesterday, and we got some interesting uh, sound bites from Patrick Kane, from Vladimir Tarasenko, Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, among others, and we're going to talk about that in tomorrow's episode, so definitely come back for that, but there was so much going on uh, during you know, all these exit interviews that I felt like it couldn't be contained in just one episode. And given that there's so much speculation around Gerard Gallant right now and everything that happened between him and Chris Jury and what the future holds for him, we got to go ahead and focus in on that today. And that's what we're doing. So let's just jump right back into it here. Uh, Gerard Gallant's end of season press conference. He was not all that happy, a little bit testy as far as some of the speculation regarding his job security. This is what he had to say about it. Did I have a tough two weeks? Did we have a tough two weeks? Yeah. But besides that, I can't believe I have to answer some of these questions about me getting let go or me getting fired, bar up by the media. It's disappointing. I get where he's coming from here because, and we're going to elaborate on this thought in just a second here, a little bit later in the episode. He took a team that was under, or that was in complete turmoil when he first got there and immediately bought, brought, brought them into being a Stanley Cup contender. You know, he it was a pretty rapid 180 there. And yes, they lost to the Devils, um, but overall, you know, two fairly strong seasons uh, with the Rangers. Of course, this year represents a step back because uh, they not, were knocked out of it two rounds earlier than they were last year. So that's something that's going to work against him. And I'll be the first one to say Drugland is not uh, flawless. Uh, certainly his... His lack of a strong suit seems to be the in-game adjustments. There, there just really aren't that many that he makes. Uh, certain younger players maybe have not developed at the rate that we would like them to. I, I do think a lot of them have gotten better over time here, but just at way too gradual of a pace. You know, we want to see them take that next step. Um, to me, though, you know, as I was just mentioning, once again, Gerard Gallant came in here before last season and took over a team that was in constant turmoil uh, the season before that. Think about everything that happened— Think about everything that was going on with the Rangers and where this franchise was and how much chaos surrounded it before Gerard Gallant got here. Now, you've got—this is just the season before Gallant got here. We can go back even further and cite some other crazy things that happened, but just in the one season before Gallant got here, you had all the drama with Tony D'Angelo. Uh, that included, of course, the fight between him and Alex Georgiev and Tony D'Angelo getting bought out of his contract and all the drama that came with that. Uh, you had that political hit piece that was put out on Artemi Panarin. And of course, that wasn't really anybody's fault having anything to do with the New York Rangers, but it was still something that kind of added to the general chaos that surrounded this team once again before Gallant got here. Uh, you had everything that happened with the Tom Wilson situation. He assaults Panarin. 
And then the game after that, you know, it was more of a, a barroom brawl than it was a hockey game. So you had all that drama and all that chaos. Uh, you had the letter where the Rangers called out George Peros. And, you know, that obviously created uh, some some shockwaves. And then you have pretty much out of nowhere what felt like a, a knee-jerk reaction. You've got Dolan firing both John Davidson and Jeff Gorton, who I, I think up to that point, most Ranger fans were feeling pretty good about the work that they had done. Obviously, they were rebuilding, and it was going to take some time for this team to kind of round into form. But I, I think the approval rating for both of those gentlemen was generally fairly high among Ranger fans. Obviously, you know, you got some fans that get a little bit impatient and come on, let's step on the gas. Let's get this thing going. We need more out of the kids, this, that, and the other thing. But I think for the most part, the Rangers fans could see that the team had a plan in place and they were executing that plan. And the next thing you know, uh, two of the architects behind that plan are let go. And again, just just complete and utter chaos, you know, for down the stretch uh, during the final season uh, that David Quinn was the head coach and Gerard Glant was not here. Then, of course, Gerard Glant comes in, takes what's essentially the same team, the same players, uh, takes them from the season before, 60 points in 56 games, and missing the playoffs by 11 points. He takes them from there to a team that gets 110 points in 82 games, makes it to the Eastern Conference Final uh, in a season where most people didn't even have them going to the playoffs. And just on the surface, you know, I don't believe that a coach— that in his first two seasons goes a combined 99, 46, and 19 deserves to be fired. That's a two-year total of, in the regular season, 217 points. I understand people are upset about what happened uh, in the playoffs this season. Obviously, some lackluster performances by the Rangers, and just generally speaking, getting eliminated in the first round when expectations are a lot higher. Ranger fans believe this team was good enough to win a Stanley Cup this year. Certainly make it a heck of a lot further uh, than the first round. Um, and that's why I'm going to acknowledge in just a second why I don't believe that Gerard Gallant uh, is blameless in this situation. I've kind of defended him a little bit here, but uh, he has to, uh, this is on him. You know, it, it's on the players, I think, first and foremost, but it's also on the coaching staff for uh, what I believe was not really having these guys ready to go for certain games in this series, which is just not acceptable. And if you come out flat multiple times in a playoff series, uh, very, very good chance that you're going to be going home and your opponent's going to be moving on. And of course, that's what we saw uh, between the Rangers and Devils here. So uh, we will get to all that good stuff in just a second, and I will explain why I do not believe Gerard Gallant is blameless in this situation. Uh, then I will also come to, you know, basically a conclusion where everything stands and whether I think Gerard Gallant should be back with this team as the head coach next season. And we'll do all that good stuff in just a second. All right, so as I just mentioned, Gerard Gallant, clearly not blameless here. Uh, there's a lot of fans who criticize Gallant for his uh, lack of adjustments that he makes, you know, throughout a playoff series. And I think that was kind of on display here. That is kind of a mark against him. You know, early in the series, the, the Rangers played a great defensive game and kind of almost did like a modern-day trap where they they were all over the Devils, you know, key players and suffocating them a little bit. Uh, guys couldn't even gain the blue line on the Devils. The Rangers pretty much neutralized the Devils' speed for those first two games. And the Devils, essentially, beginning in Game 3, started to kind of throw it back at the Rangers. And they almost started to use some of their own medicine against them. They started uh, using a little bit of a trap themselves. The Rangers were having all kinds of issues with zone entries. Uh, the forecheck was basically non-existent. Too much east and west passing and, and too much east and west, you know, trying to enter the zone. So it obviously went south pretty quick. And the adjustments just never really came uh, from Gallant and the coaching staff as far as a way to, to figure out what the Devils were doing defensively and get this... Uh, you know, potent Ranger offensive attack back on track. It just never really happened. Big game in game six, obviously, but, you know, I, they didn't get enough 
they didn't do enough. That That's the bottom line. I talked about yesterday, Igor Shosturkin had a save percentage above 93%. He had a goals against average under 2.0 per game. When your goalie is allowing less than two goals per game in a seven-game series and you don't advance, that is just completely unacceptable. And uh, I think that's, you know, this situation here is certainly no exception to that. Uh, to me, though, the biggest black eye on Gerard Glant and the coaching staff, and I alluded to this just a second ago, is just the overall flat performances that we got from some key, key players on the New York Rangers. And before I go a step further, yeah, you know what? You do have to credit the Devils. They played a strong series. They were down 2-0. They came back. They found a way to get it done. And there's times where, you know, if your opponent is firing on all cylinders and playing very well, that they can make you look pretty bad and they can almost make you look lethargic. But I, I still stand by what I said. The Rangers just did not compete hard enough in this series. And to compare it to you know, a series from last year's playoff run. The Rangers were down 3-1 against the Penguins. I never felt that it was really like a lack of effort or an unwillingness to fight for the puck, an unwillingness to get your hands dirty. I thought in that series, the Rangers at times, it was just a lack of execution and, and a lack of playoff experience maybe. You know, obviously the Penguins have that core in place that have won all those championships. And so, yeah, the Rangers just couldn't get it done from an execution standpoint last year, you know, going down 3-1 against the Penguins before they eventually got back into it and won the series. Uh, but as far as... This year goes, yeah, I thought there's times where the lack of compete really did this team in. And you can't have flat performances in the playoffs. It's just not something that you can do. You're going to be eliminated uh, faster than you can say, oh, bleep, you know, if you're coming out flat for playoff games. You look at a team, like, like take the Avalanche last year as a really good example of this. I don't think they had a single flat performance last year in the playoffs. And they ended up, of course, winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, they went 12-1 and in the first three rounds combined, took care of the Lightning in the finals. If you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you might be able to get away with like one, maybe two flat performances throughout the playoff run. Even that might be pushing it a little bit because teams, generally speaking, don't come out flat for playoff games. The Rangers did it three times in this series. And yes, it's on the players. And believe me, I'm not excusing the players. And I think that, you know, those players that didn't show up for certain games in this series, they have some soul searching to do. They need to look in the mirror a little bit. Um, but it's also on the coaching staff. The coaching staff has to be able to push the right buttons uh, to convey the right message to get these guys ready to go for crucial playoff games. I, mean, I can't even believe I have to sit here and say this. It, it's just such common sense stuff. And especially when you look at what the Rangers did last year in their playoff run, you know, down 3-1 against the Penguins. They have to win three games in a row or they're done and they do it. Down 2 nothing against the Canes. Down 3-2 against the Canes. They got to win the last two games against the Carolina Hurricanes to advance and they do it. This team stared elimination in the face five times during last year's playoff run, and they won all five of them until, of course, they were eliminated by Tampa. Um, but the idea that you know effort would be lacking or the Rangers just don't have enough of the have-to and uh, they, they've got a group of players that um, doesn't want to really skate hard, doesn't want to fight for loose pucks, I'm stunned that I have to sit here talking about this right now because I thought the Rangers in last year's playoff run showed us who they were. And yeah, they ran out of gas against Tampa. They got beat by the team that had won the last two Stanley Cups. But I think, once again, last year's playoff run was something to be proud of, something to hold your head high about, whether you're a player on the team or a fan of this team, and it was something to build on. And certainly, coming back to the playoffs this year, we'd get a similar effort from the Rangers. You know, they'd go out there and they would battle every single night, and that's not what we got at all. And now... Something that was such a strength of this team, you know, the fight, the compete level that they showed, the tenacity that they showed in last year's playoffs, complete 180 this year. Yeah, there were times where the Rangers played very well in this seven-game series against the Devils, but, you know, the, the, their three wins were basically blowouts, and I know that they had to come from behind in two of them. They were only down one nothing, but they came from behind to win, but yeah, I, I mean, the, the games that they lost— 
You know, they, they just let it get away from them. And part of the reason why they let it get away from them is because they didn't compete hard enough. And that's a reflection of the players, but it's also a reflection of the coaching staff. So, you know, people that don't like Galan, and I'm sure there's many out there. There's probably some listening to this right now. I'm sure there are. I'm sure uh, those people will make their voices heard in the YouTube comment section. That's cool. You know, we can all debate hockey here. Um, but I, I think, you know, if you really want Galant gone, that's the card you should be playing is the fact that this team did not show up for playoff games, multiple playoff games. So there you go. There's your fuel. There's your uh, your reasoning as far as why Jorah Glant should be fired, um, if that's truly what you believe. With all that said, though, if it's up to me, Jorah Glant is back behind the bench next year. I don't like the idea of a quick hook in general. You know, the Rangers were at a crossroads without all the chaos that we've already talked about. They fired everybody. They cleaned house. They fired David Quinn. Jorah Glant is brought in. I think most Ranger fans were pretty happy with the hire at the time. It's only been two years. It's two years where, you know, this team has won a lot of hockey games. And it's two years where they've gone from being a team that's in the rebuild to, you know, a team that at least last year was at least a season ahead of schedule and making a deep playoff run. I think you have to have some con- conviction and stand behind your head coach. You know, Ranger fans, we're not alone here. I mean, there's there's fans like this of every team in hockey and probably other sports as well. There's times where I think fans talk themselves into believing that we're one fired coach away from winning the Stanley Cup or one fired coach away from winning the World Series or whatever it might be. And I just don't think that's the case here. You know, I think the biggest thing you could say in Jorah Glant's defense as far as what he's done as the Ranger coach is I really believe that most of the players on this roster, just about all of them, have in one way or another improved since he got here. And to kind of just illustrate my point a little bit, you can start with guys like Mika Zibanejad, guys like Chris Kreider. And I know, you know, as I list some of these names, some people are not going to agree. That's completely fine. Again, we can debate it in the comments section. Um, And, you know, there might be some people that think that, you know, these players haven't necessarily gotten better. Uh, but I think that most of them have. So we're, we're going to go ahead and roll with this. Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, I think they've both gotten better, um, you know, since... Jargalink got here. Chris Kreider, for sure. I mean, he's had his best two seasons uh, these past couple of seasons that have gone by here. Uh, I think all three of the kids of the kid line, Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl, have all gotten better since Jargalink got here. Now, listen, you can be upset that they haven't gotten dramatically better, that instead of a hop, skip, and a leap forward, these guys are taking baby steps forward. But I really do believe that all three of them just had their best season that they've ever had and have done so under Gerard Gallant. Uh, Philip Hedl, I don't think it can even be debated. This was clearly his best season ever. You can be upset about the fact that they didn't get it done in the playoffs as well. But I think when you look at the total body of work, all three of these guys have gotten a little bit better. Now, could a different coach get more out of these three players? Could a different coach uh, turn them into bona fide stars in this league? That's possible. I mean, I can't sit here and say that, no, absolutely not. There's no way. Um, but, you know, we'll find out the answer to that question if, if the Jurglant naysayers get what they want. And uh, that would, of course, be him being relieved of his duties here. Um, but, yeah, again, I, I think Lafreniere, Kako, and Heal, while they are not at the level that we're hoping they eventually get to, they are better players now, all three of them, than they were before Jurglant got here. Uh, the defensemen. I think you could pretty much go up and down the list here as far as guys that have improved. Uh, Adam Fox. I know he won the uh, the Norris before Gerard Glant got here, but you look at some of his numbers, uh, they're even better now than they were during his Norris Trophy winning season. And it, nothing, if nothing else, uh, Fox certainly has not regressed. I know he had a terrible performance in Game 7. I get that. And he's got to be better, you know, in the in the clutch, in big-time games. Uh, he was not very good at all in that game. But for the most part, I think Adam Fox continues to blossom into one of the truly elite defensemen in this league. Uh, Ryan Lindgren, again, somebody that... Uh, I think Ranger fans are well aware of his contributions. I think sometimes, um, you know, around the league, people don't know about him as well. But I think he's 
continue to get better and better. Uh, Jacob Truba as a captain, I mean, you know, the sword could fall on him a little bit from some Ranger fans. There's Ranger fans that just don't like Jacob Truba, and they're never going to be happy with him no matter what he does. And, you know, that that's, I mean, that's your opinion, and you can talk about him any way you want to. I think Jacob Truba, though, as the leader of this team, he got the guys fired up when they were floundering uh, back in the fall with that helmet throw. I, I think overall he's done a decent job as the captain so far. Uh, we'll see how it goes in the future. Uh, Keandre Miller, you know, I, I mean, I think he's certainly better than he was before Gallant got here. I would say he was probably a little bit better last season than he was this season. So maybe there's been a little bit of regression under Gerard Gallant there. So, I mean, you can make that case if you'd like to. Braden Schneider, you know, he only debuted last year under Gerard Gallant, but he continues to get better and better, look good in the playoffs this year. And uh, overall, I think he's going to be a very good defenseman in this league. Igor Shesterkin, I mean, I know a lot of it has to do with Benoit Allaire, but uh, he won the Vesna last year and had another very nice season this year and was excellent in the playoffs. Even looking at people that uh, were not here before Galan, you know, you look at somebody like Barclay Goodrow, Barclay Goodrow playing some of the best hockey that he's ever played. Uh, you look at somebody like uh, even role players, guys like Jimmy Vesey and Ben Harper. Now, obviously, these are not superstar players, but both of them were completely irrelevant uh, before they came to the Rangers this year. And he seems to have gotten the most that he can possibly get out of those players. Um you know, you, you want to look at, like, rentals that have come over. I mean, Andrew Kopp seemed to fit in pretty nice. Frank Vetrano, uh, Tarasenko this year. And, I mean, a lot of people are, are really um, passionately defending Patrick Kane. So, I guess some of you want to put him in that category as well. Most of the guys that come over seem to fit in with this team pretty well and uh, tend to play pretty good hockey. So, I mean, that to me is the biggest case, the biggest uh, argument that I could make in favor of Gallant is that I do think a lot of players have improved. And obviously the team has been has improved since Gallant got here. Nobody can deny that. Uh, this team was floundering. And as I said, in complete chaos before he got here, uh, the last two years, they've been in the playoffs, well over 100 points in both of the two seasons, couple of playoff series wins, uh, some clutch performances in the playoffs while facing elimination. Uh, I, I think the coach has to get at least some credit for those things. And I, I know the players are the ones out there doing it and making it happen. But, you know, you're down 3-1 in a playoff series and it looks like all hope is lost. The coach has to be able to find a way to push the right buttons. I think Gallant did that last year against Pittsburgh. He has to get at least some credit for that. Uh, this year, though, unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be, and obviously the Rangers heading home early. So, uh, you know, listen, the case is still out. You can—I feel like a lot of Ranger fans probably had their mind made up, uh, you know, regardless of what happened in this series. There's Ranger fans that were calling for Gallant's head, you know, as early as, you know, a, a losing streak beginning in the first quarter of the season. People were trying to get Gallant out of town. Obviously, it didn't happen. I will make this play to the, plea to the Rangers, though. Um, if, if Gerard Gallant is not your guy, if you're not sure, if you don't have conviction behind it, then don't bring him back next year. You know, in the NHL, I've noticed this in the NHL a lot more so than any other sport. It is not uncommon for an NHL team to fire their head coach as few as like six games into the season, four games into the season. I'm almost positive I can remember a situation where a head coach got fired two games into the season. And anytime that this happens, my question and the question that a lot of you I'm sure have, you know, just observing other things happening around the NHL. When something like this happens, a coach gets fired two, four, six games into the season. My question is always, why was he there in the first place? You know, if a coach can get himself fired after like two or four games, then clearly you didn't have a lot of conviction in him. Clearly you didn't have a lot of confidence in him. And if you're going to fire him uh, so 
soon into a season, I think that reflects poorly on the organization because clearly there, you had some doubt in your mind. If you're willing to can a coach two or four or six games into the season, then clearly you didn't, you weren't throwing your full support behind him. So my advice to the Rangers is you either get on board with this, you know, the, the Ranger decision makers, you either get on board with Gerard Gallant being the head coach of this team and you throw your full support behind him, or you say, you know what, he's not our guy and you cut ties with him. That's my plea to the New York Rangers. Don't do this wishy-washy halfway stuff where, well, you know what, okay, fine, we'll we'll go into the next season with Gerard Gallant, but man, we better get off to a good start. Because I don't want to see Gerard Gallant getting fired by the Rangers if they're like one and two after the first three games. I, I don't that's not going to be good for anybody. Obviously, it's not going to be good for Gallant. It's not really fair to Gallant. I don't think it's fair to any coach to you know fire somebody two, four, six games into the season, whatever it might be. And as for the Rangers, I mean, it's, it's just going to look like they're throwing stuff at the wall and just trying to see, see what sticks. Um, again, I don't think it looks good on any organization when you fire a head coach that early uh, into a season. And it happens far more in hockey than it does any other sports. So make up your mind. You know, let, let, maybe let the dust settle a little bit. Another couple of days here and make up your mind. Are we going into next season full board with Gerard Gallant as our head coach? Or are we saying, you know what? We're not so sure about this. So we're going to cut ties and we're going to go with somebody else. If you're not sure about it, if you're wishy-washy about it, then I don't think he's really your guy. I'll leave that up to the... Uh, the Ranger front office, obviously, they haven't asked me for my opinion, but um, if you if you are asking me, yeah, I would give Gerard Gallant another season. Uh, I would roll in and see if you can uh, make things happen here. I don't know that there are really that many options that are all that much better. Um, I know people are throwing Quinville's name uh, around. I, I want no part of him on the Rangers for you know everything that happened um, with that whole mess in Chicago, um, the, the the beach situation, and uh, that, that was just really bad. I, I believe Quinville is still uh, banned by the NHL. Um, people are talking about Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan's still with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I'm not so sure uh, that he's going to get let go. Um, you know, Peter Laviolette, never really been a fan of him either. I, he does have a decent track record. I looked up his record not all that long ago, and it is he's got a better winning percentage than I would have guessed, but I've just never been a fan of him. I, I feel like all of his teams play dirty, and uh, certainly that's been on display with the Washington Capitals the last couple of years here. But like I said, uh, it, it's a hot-button topic right now. A lot of Ranger fans feel very passionate about this one way or the other, whether to bring Gallant back or not. So I'd love to hear from you guys. You know, Leave comments in the YouTube section. Be respectful of each other. That's what we do around here. But uh, yeah, obviously, again, this is a storyline that is going to be here until the Rangers either uh, relieve Gallant of his duties or you know, dig their toes in and say, he's our guy and we're going forward with him next season. You know, right now we're, we're kind of in the abyss. We're, we're kind of in that in-between time here um, where we're not really sure what's going to happen. But if it's up to me, uh, he comes back for another season next year. Uh, that's pretty much it for today. I did want to mention the Hartford Wolfpack now leads the Providence Bruins two games to one in their best of five division semifinals. Uh, the Pack won one nothing in game one. They won two to one in game two, and they lost game three by a score of six to three. Uh, game four is Friday in Hartford. Game five, if necessary, is Sunday uh, back in Providence. And if the Pack gets through this round here, uh, the round of 16, uh, I'm planning on ordering AHL TV, and I'm going to watch some of these Hartford Wolfpack uh, playoff games on my laptop or whatever it might be, and we're certainly going to discuss the Hartford Wolfpack going forward as they continue to make a run at the Calder. Uh, obviously, we're going to keep most of the attention on the New York Rangers. This is locked on New York Rangers after all, and there is no shortage of things to talk about after their unceremonious exit from the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I do want to give some love to the Hartford Wolfpack, especially if they make it uh, beyond this series. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. 
Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.